We start out that for such a time as this, we don't always know why life is the way it is. We don't always understand the court that we arrive in as Esther did. We don't always interpret the circumstances that seem to be brewing in our lives. But the good news is, is that this is your hour. Yeah. It says if they would have known the day of their visitation. They wouldn't have missed it. But somehow they hadn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Somehow the arrows, you know, the illumination, the understanding of it had missed them. And so they missed that moment for their blessing. But you're here and you understand and you recognize for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And then we move to how to build a safe house. A house that See, respect. It doesn't make any difference the storm that comes. When it's all said and done, it doesn't have any real, real losses. And of course, we're talking about the whole scheme of life, but primarily the house of faith that we are building. Today, Reading from Solomon's writing, the man who was given the the work of building God's house, the man who in his lifetime, in his assumption and calculation, he investigated everything. He had the means and the whereabouts to go ahead and you know, discover and find, build, you know, whatever his heart desired. And he writes some words of wisdom to us throughout this book. And the one that we will draw from is Psalms 127, verses 1 and 2, to begin with. He says that after all of this, all my successes, all my projects, all of living... I got some advice for you. Unless the Lord builds the house, your labor is in vain. I want to talk today about faith is life's most important building project. Do you have those for me there? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. There is so much there that we could run down, but unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. 
Let's do the other verses that we will. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered or delivered once and for all. How many here are second generation faith or third generation faith? All right. See, that's what he's talking about. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the the Holy Spirit. Faith is vulnerable. Faith is also powerful. There are three heroes in the scriptures that faced faith crisis. The one you'll remember is John the Baptist. John has this great role of introducing Jesus, his mission, and pointing him out. And he does it with assurance and clarity and confidence. As Jesus is walking and the crowds are there and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. About six months into his ministry, he life takes a turn that he hadn't expected. Ever happened to you? I mean, he is this announcer for Jesus. And he ends up in prison. And he not only ends up in prison, but Jesus doesn't even show up to visit him. And so in that prison setting, his faith is, is having a crisis. What was powerful yesterday was now questioned today. In order to solidify what he had believed and what he thought was right, he sends some you know, messengers out and begins and ask them, would you go ask Jesus, are you the one or do we look for another? What do you mean? Faith crisis. Things didn't end up. And then, of course, he gets the message back, you know, tell them. And it's a revisitation of what he saw Jesus do. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Then there was another man, his name is Thomas. One moment, Thomas is ready to die for Jesus. John chapter 11, verse 16. They're aware of the danger of Jesus going into the city. And so Jesus has made a decision that he's going to go and Thomas boldly and says, let's go and die with him. Prepared 
and just thought life and processed this. He was willing to die for Jesus. And then, of course, you know the story. Crisis of faith. Well, if I can't see the scars in his hands and his side, I'm not going to believe. That was the evidence that he needed. Then we have Peter, crisis of faith. In the garden, he boldly draws his sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. And a few hours later, See, unexpected circumstances have a way of potential of turning our faith into fear, our courage into cynicism. But in all of these, Jesus is willing to address. His questions to John to reassurance. To John's, excuse me, to Thomas's cynicism, he turns it into revelation. And Peter's abandonment, he turns it into ministry. Hallelujah. Faith is such a dynamic thing. And so... What is he saying when without the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain? Let me just try to simplify it from my perspective that God must be the general contractor in your life. We are all builders, but he must be the general contractor. You can't, you should not have just a Jesus room. You must build a Jesus house. Now, a Jesus room is better than no Jesus room. But a Jesus house is better than just having a Jesus room. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Think about it. Think about it, church. He's got to be the general contractor. He says, if you leave God out, it's all for nothing. And believe you me this morning that Solomon built more than any of us here. He had more success than any of us. He was wiser than anyone except, of course, the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. And yet this guy, I mean... He's a problem solver. He's an insightful. You give him life's hardest equation and he solves it. And he takes the blueprint that God had given David and he builds this fantastic temple. The almighty God. And some think that his words here were not his own. They were the words of his father, David. I don't know. Solomon wrote them. 
Well, it sounds like a father's wisdom, doesn't it? It sounds like David, who understood these dynamics as he's passing it on to your son, his son, you're going to be building this thing. But you don't want to build it in vain. Keep God right at the center of it. And that's what you've done with your faith in Jesus Christ and coming to the Lord and, and you know, it's where you're at. He says, if you build walls and set guards on those walls, it's all for nothing. You can't protect yourself. Without the Lord, you're going to worry. You're going to wear out. It's vain to rise up early and sit up late. Remember when I started out with this and God had spoke to my heart and he said, I, I want more faith in 2018. And I know that more faith is possible because the scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There was a prayer from the disciples that their faith would be, be increased. It's all a matter of who you trust and what you trust. Three times the New Testament pick up, picks up the words of Habakkuk and says this, the just will live by faith. You can be in prison with the verdict and set day for your head to come off and you can still live by faith. You can still have hope ingrained and still vibrating, you know, in your thoughts and your life. And Psalms 20 and 7 says, some trust in chariots and some on horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. When he says about this building, there needs to be a reason why you're building. That is, you need to build for the glory of God. There are all kinds of benefits that are ours that come from it, but ultimately, to God be the glory. You go to the story in the book of Genesis about the Tower of Babel, one of the great feats and accomplishments and successes. But it didn't get God's approval. And we're still living in the confusion. of that eliminating God. We will make a name to ourselves, and we're not called to make names to ourselves. We're called to glorify his name. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we glorify faith we know is a full persuasion it's it's not believing for something that doesn't exist but something that has already been made available 
You might not see it, but there is still the potential. Romans 4 and 21, and being fully convinced that he had what he had promised, he was able to perform. So I'm not asking you to have faith going outside of the promises of God and the Word of God. That faith that reaches into the spirit realm and brings it in to the natural realm. Case of point would be Elijah and the widow. When the meal and the oil never ceased. The Elijah and his servant, when he allowed the servant to see the company of angelic hosts and Jesus and the 5,000 when he fed them, the 10 lepers go. And as they went, they were, they were healed. Each one with their own unique dynamic equation, but something that was in the realm of God that, made, that was possible to bring into the realm of faith is that is like a telescope that scans the heavens for the majesty of God, and it's the microscope that magnifies his hidden wonders. That's a nice statement. But you go to the Magi, the birth of Christ, and you see the reality and the truth of this statement. They were able to look at the night sky and see a child see a king and to recognize his love. Millions all over the world were looking at the sky. We have seen, where is this king? Because we have seen his star. Recognize something, but then also was able to see the revelation that was in Wouldn't it be wonderful if our scientists, as they look through these amazing telescopes, you know, this amazing growing and everything going further and further out, all of a sudden they'd be able to start interpreting what it is. Who's behind it? the black hole. Faith does that. Faith is a seventh thing. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. An invisible yet real world. Why do I need faith in my life? Because it's a code breaker. It allows us to interpret God's word and understand his promises. It allows us to see God. Faith enables us to overcome the objections that the world throws at us. And I'm not talking about just in theology, but the circumstances and the situations. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Pleases God, as you know, opens the reward of the treasures of heaven and strengthens us during trials and it fuels what we do and how we live. Faith has the potential of encouraging others from and in your life. 
not the least, but it's the beginning. It's the foundation of salvation. And faith is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Paul wrote to Timothy. He wasn't the strongest individual in his position and his place as a pastor. He was timid. He had a lot of reservations. Paul writes to me, they need to fight for the faith. Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. We all have baggage. We all have weaknesses. We all have crisis. We all have those, those circumstances that just, you know, are not always in lining up to build our faith. They actually are probably, you know, testing our faith. Faith is worth fighting for because it's precious. It's precious. By faith, the saints have overcome the greatest obstacles that have happened in life that was laid before them. It was by faith that Daniel spoke kindly in the morning to the king. As he stands there trembling and wondering what happened to Daniel after he'd been cast into the den of lions. All is well. It wasn't, wait till I get out of here. (laughs) No. It was by faith that David refused to avenge himself against mad King Saul. He trusted God to be his protector, to keep him from evil. It was by faith a little servant's girl's testimony sent Naaman to Israel to be healed of leprosy by the prophet, and you know the story. Your faith can have a major effect on the people that circumstances that God brings into your life. Paul said to Timothy, I remember the faith that was in your grandmother and in your your mother and now in you. Why do you need strong faith? You not only need strong faith for your life, you need strong faith for the life of your offspring. Someone had enough faith to tell you to share Jesus Christ with you. To present hope before you. Faith is going beyond the commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in God's sight. Think about it. And so Jude says this. You need to build yourself up in the most holy faith. There is a particular faith. There is faith running all over. There's no faith in God. And that's what Jesus said as he is training his disciples, directing their faith, pointing them into the right direction. Have Faith in God.
We operate in faith on a daily basis, faith in the natural, faith in all of those things. But God is the general contractor. For we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. The general contractor just spoke him into existence. My goodness, build yourself up in the most holy faith. So let's just take a few things on how to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Number one, I think it's relationship with God. It says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the place where God can bless you. This is not about the love that God has for the whole world. That is, it's set. It's when you keep yourself in God's sunshine, when you invest in your relationship with with God. Everything needs attention, needs to be, have maintenance. You do that by spending time, effort. You can't just kick back and put your spiritual life on autopilot and things will be fine. He says, keep yourself, guard your standing in the love of God. Make sure you're in the place of experiencing the love of God. Because small beginnings have great endings when you follow God's path. Amen? And build our faith. And that's the purpose of, one of the first purposes of Jesus coming was to reestablish relationship with God the Father. Another thing that helped build your faith is, he says to pray in the Holy Spirit. In other words, you need to stoke the prayer fires. God has a built-in power plant in us. A built-in power plant. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Then he goes on and says that there's a river. So there is a power plant in us that generates generates through a lot of things, but one of the key elements is your personal time with the Lord. Prayer. You know how that Jesus always went out early in the morning and prayed. There's something about the Spirit when it leads us into pray, it begins to connect us with God because it says we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession between us and our God.
kind of build faith by the word. By the word. The first thing that I think we need to do when we build faith by the word is to remember the builder. Remember the builder. He is the chief cornerstone. Jesus. We have an advocate with a father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have someone in our corner, he says, that understands exactly what we're going through and how we're feeling. And he's there to help us. Jesus. You got to get a grip on the Word of God. Why? Because it says this, it says in Ephesians 6 and 17, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's saying, get a grip on it, get a hold on that sword. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word of God. It's a good time to make a plug for church. (laughs) Why? Because he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. What is the perfection that he's after is? To bring our faith to a higher level. And that's what God is at work in you. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He who has begun a good work in you, you know, will finish it. Yes, under construction. Now, this is what they tell us, those that do the studies. It says we remember 15% of what we hear, so you're not going to do real well after you leave here, okay? (laughs) You will retain 30% of what you read, so that's why you need to get your Bible out. 60% of what you study... And 100% of what you memorize. It's a lot of work, isn't it? (laughs) That's why he said work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's connected to faith. It's the nourishment for the soul. Why should we be so enthused about the, the word. Because its preparation is better. The word's preparation is better. It was designed by God. Its purity is better. Every word of God is pure. Its presentation is better. It's the original formula. It's the original flavor. And it always carries an original freshness. You can always get the original when you have the original with you. You ever try to pass on a recipe? Well, I haven't. I don't have any recipes. (laughs) But my mom and, you know, the ladies here, mostly, you know, there might be a few men who have recipes, but, but they, you know, 
they give you a recipe and you try to follow it. It doesn't quite come out like it does it, no. But if you would have them over, and that's what I'm talking about here, you know what I mean? We get God involved as the general contractor. The rest of you come out right. It's so important because the storms of life are inevitable. But he says our house can be safe if we not only read the word of God, which both of those men did. Both of those men. But one had the application of the word. Strengthen your faith in divine laws. Ask my musicians to come. Satan would like to mislead you into viewing God's laws and principles and standards as restrictive and oppressive. He's been using the same tactic from the beginning. It's restrictive and it's oppressive. But no, God's fences are protective. They really are. He says in Peter that there's a ferocious lion out there. He's on the other side of the fence. That fence is there. Protect you from what is on the other side of the fence. A ferocious lion that is going about trying to devour. He don't only want to mess up your life, he wants to mess up your faith. Because Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Hallelujah. Amen. Those fences, those commandments and the word of God is to keep you from the crafty acts of the, of the wicked one. Press on to maturity. Yes, perfection is beyond your reach as humans, but maturity is an attainable goal. Maturity is an attainable goal. Strive for excellence. It comes through training. It comes through the proper diet. And of course, we talked about the word of God. I'm going to close with this. It says to examine our faith. Examine whether in the faith. Now, he is not saying examine whether you are saved. He says examine your sanctification. When you walk through those passages of Scripture, he goes, because don't you know that Christ is in you? So he's saying you need to get to know yourself. Examine your relationship with Christ, your sanctity. How are you doing in your walk? Now, number one, one does not look to works for the assurance of salvation, but you look to works to see how you're doing in your walk with Christ. Job said that I have esteemed your words more than my necessary food. He said it's, you know, it's not a snack that's, but he said it's those things that are really required. 
said your word is Job wasn't perfect but I believe he was mature I'm going to give you 10 areas that the Bible tells us to look at when we are examining our lives and they come right from the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20. Number one is God first. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God first. Number two, it's your worship. You shall not make yourselves any carved images. Your worship. Oh, hallelujah. I worship you, almighty God. Don't sing that one. There is none like you. Amen. Another gods? You should not make yourself any carved images at your worship. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. There shall be no pretense, falsehood. Don't take the name of the Lord God in Vain. It's about more than swearing. <laughs> Number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you'll labor. He's talking about balance of life. Balance of life. Your time, your work, and your rest. I tell you what, it, those commandments are more tasteful, aren't they? They really are. Number two, it's respect authority. Respect authority. Honor your father and your mother. Where does authority, or respect for authority begin? At home. At home. How many recognize that America's really in trouble with that one? respect for authority trace it right back to the home hallelujah so how you doing with authority when we're examining ourselves all right the next one is peace you shall not murder how you doing with your neighbor? How you doing with people around you? How you doing with your work partners? How you doing with those? Ah, no. See, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. So that's not just pulling the gun out and shooting somebody. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you and spitefully use you. That's what people of faith do. We're just examining our faith, folks. That's all we're doing. So we know ourselves where we're at and, you know, the room for improvement. And to see how God is working because what direction that he's working. How do you interpret love, your love in your life? Not your wife, not your husband, but 
although that comes into play. But how do you know that you're really, you know, loving? You got to be kind, right? Love is kind. And you walk through, you know, the character of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And there it is. And I go, oh. <laughs> yeah, I need improvement. I don't just work at it. I go to the God of love. I go to the God of love. And purity. Purity is found in verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. It's more than just, but it's purity. It's purity. Integrity. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Or truth will always be what you speak from your life in your mouth and the last but not least contentment thou shall not covet stand with me give the Lord a praise this morning hallelujah we want to build houses that there is no storm that can sink it no storm can sink a house that's built on and by the word of God. And he says, you beloved. And I'll get your attention right there. He ain't saying, hey, you. No. He's saying, oh, my beloved. You know how precious your faith is. You know how precious your faith is. Now, listen, I, I know I got to quit, but he is not just simply leaving us. I mean, what he's doing, he's, he's putting a responsibility on our shoulders when he says that you would contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. There is, he says, you know, a responsibility that's been placed upon your shoulders from the previous generations. And then, of course, to the future generations. Amen? Let's sing and let's close and praise God.